a welcome to a new episode of Talking Law. I'm Sally Penny, MBE, a barrister at Kenworthy's Chambers in Manchester, the Joint Vice Chair of the Association of Women Barristers and the founder of Women in the Law UK. Before we get to today's guest, I want to say a big thank you to Reed Smith for supporting this episode. Dynamic international law firm, Reed Smith is dedicated to helping clients move their business forward with over 1,500 staff in over 30 offices across the world. Reed Smith specializes in complex litigation as well as high stakes disputes across border transactions and crucial regulatory matters. They have a leading reputation in sectors ranging from the transportation and healthcare to entertainment. Find out more at reedsmith.com. In today's interview on Talking Law, I'm interviewing multi-award winning business lawyer and managing partner Tamara Box. An American citizen, Tamara is dual qualified to practice law in both the US and the UK and is an internationally recognized expert in strategic financial advice, management and team building. I asked Tamara why she chose to enter the law and how she ultimately became managing partner. Wow, that's a big question. Why law is easy? I was apparently an argumentative child and so I was told from, well, frankly, as long as I can remember, you should be a lawyer. (laughs) Uh, And somehow it stuck, I guess. Uh, I don't know that I thought about what being a lawyer really meant um, until I you know, got into uh, law school and started really learning. Um, but I realized I certainly wasn't going to be a disputes lawyer at the end of the day. I, um, I did a, a monetary economics degree at the London School of Economics before I went to law school. Definitely love all things finance, um, love transactional uh I suppose transactional objectives. I like trying to get somewhere. I like doing deals and that excites me. So I, uh, I certainly didn't decide to become the kind of lawyer that is in fact argumentative, though I do a fair bit of negotiation. But I did fall in love with the idea of, of being a partner to clients on a transactional objective, you know, knowing that our clients want to get from A to B or sometimes A to Z, and there are lots of uh, stops along the way, and you know, being able to uh, to manage that and be excited by how you most effectively and efficiently get them there, that that you know, that did thrill me. Um, how did I get here? Well, that's an interesting question. So I, I went to law school in the States <laughs> because I always call this my blonde moment. I was at uh, the London School of Economics. I loved London. Uh, that was my first true love, London, and uh, knew I wanted to live here. But at, at the time, it never occurred to me that that because law in the U.S. was a graduate program and in the U.K. it was a, a first degree um, that somehow there was a way to convert my first degree uh, into into law here. Nobody explained it to me, and I guess I never asked the right question. So I went back to the United States, went to law school, graduated from law school uh, at Georgetown University uh, in Washington, D.C., great, great place to be and very international as well, happily, um, and started work in New York with the sole objective of getting to London. So I only interviewed with law firms that had London offices, um, and I chose the most international of those. Um, and then I started bothering them pretty much on day one uh, to send me to London. And two years in, they finally, I think just to get rid of me, uh, said, well, we can't send you to London. 
this was in 1994. There wasn't a lot going on in London and there wasn't uh, enough need. But you, we can't send you to Singapore. And I had to think about where that was. Um, I'd never been to Asia before in my life, but I got on an airplane and moved to Singapore. Um, happily, Singapore was exciting. Uh, very fun and great place to work in that time period. It was really booming. Loved, loved, loved working there. Uh, and I guess I, I met my second great love of my life, um, who happened to be an Englishman. And that, uh, that helped. We decided after uh, four years of being in Singapore to come back to London and uh, did that together. I think he told his employer that I was being transferred and I told my law firm that he was being transferred. <laughs> and so I got to come back to London <laughs> then. And I've been here ever since, um, extremely happily. Wow. Well, your accent still remains. Absolutely. Just about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, the, they're the occasional slippage into something that sounds like, a, you know, halfway house. There you go, halfway house. Um, that my Texan relatives would be horrified by. And, of course, my husband and son laugh at me for. So <laughs> Now, you're featured in my Talking Law book. And I remember when I was writing that book, I asked you about role models along the way. Uh, and who inspired you. And one of the people you said was Madeleine Albright. Just remind me of, of why why that is. There are so many reasons. Madeleine Albright is, um, well, she was the first female Secretary of State to start with, um, but she is feisty and funny and um, thoughtful. She uh, She's also done a wonderful job of raising amazing children because her daughter, Alice Albright, is uh, all those same things and very, very deeply committed to global education for children. Uh, so I run across her in, in relation to some of the charity work I do. But she also had a fabulous sense of style. Um, I fell in love with brooches, um, we call them pins in the United States, through Madeleine Albright's use of her brooches to send messages. And, and she has the most wonderful book out there. I think I've given it to you know tons of my friends. Um, it's called Read My Pins. And it's a, a troll through some of her amazing brooches and how she used them to send messages. To me, that was just a wonderful example of a strong woman. I mean, she was the most powerful woman in the world you know, while she was Secretary of State, the strength with this huge sense of fun and fashion, and that it was perfectly possible to be a woman that is fun and fashionable while still doing an amazing, powerful, important job. And I think, you know, that that is, to this day, it's still the thing I'm most inspired by. I hate the idea that, you know, and I was told it, I'm sure lots of young women are, you can't dress a certain way. You can't wear certain things. You can't uh, have too much or too little makeup or too short or too high a heel or too, you know, it's all too, too, too much. And, you know, yet there are women out there that do their amazing jobs and inspire millions and are completely and authentically themselves while they do it. And she was yeah. just always the perfect example of that. I need to read that book. I'll make a note and come back to it later. I've been very concerned about diversity in the law. And I know you have too. And, and the great thing about you is that you, you actually do it. So I noticed Reese Smith for years has been a supporter of the work done by the Chartered Management Institute. 
Mm-hmm. Also, we are the city. Absolutely. Uh, raising, you know, the profile of junior women. And so I wondered, what do you think about diversity in the law, in our profession? We have a long way to go. Um, but I think we're, you know, we're certainly starting to have the right conversations. Um, you know, I have long felt that, you know, frankly, I came out of law school with 50% plus of women uh, being the graduates. They have long been at least 50%, more than 25 years now, um, of law graduates. And yet when we look at you know, really almost everywhere, but perhaps the public sector, women do not have their rightful places in, you know, senior leadership. And so we're doing something wrong. And I think it's very hard to argue that there's something in the water that causes all the women to be, you know, to go, to be stupid or to fail or to not be good enough somehow after they've taken those jobs, especially because we know we choose at least 50% in the graduate recruitment. Um, and we have in, again, in private practice for many years. So so we are wrong. That's what we need to understand. We are wrong. The women don't need fixing. You know, our industry needs fixing. Happily, you know, I think you're, you're right. Reed Smith has long been on this path. Um, when I joined Reed Smith, I was already part of the, the founding steering committee of the 30% Club. And so I wasn't about to go somewhere that, you know, wasn't committed to the same objectives. And happily, as I joined, Reed Smith's executive committee was already 30% women. And that was uh, back in 2012. We've continued that. Uh, our senior leadership is uh, is balanced. It's three women, three men. Um, you know, we have a, an executive committee that's more than 40% women now and is also diverse. And again, I think gender is gender balance to me. That's, that's what we need to look at. But we also need to be thinking about representation. And we need to think about, you know, what does our society look like? What are our clients look like? Um, you know, what are we doing on ethnicity? What are we doing on LGBTQ? What are we doing on disability? That's what the world looks like. And our organizations should reflect that. And our, uh, our industry should reflect that. And honestly, again, if we look at what, noting that we are a profession and you have to have qualifications, if we look at what lawyers look like when they come out of law schools and as we see graduating classes, they look a lot more diverse than our private practice, certainly, organizations do. And that's, you know, that's our job to fix. And not just because it's the right thing to do, but I want to be very clear, that's a good enough reason. It's a very good reason. But it's not just because it's the right thing to do. It's because we've now got every piece of research under the sun linking this to better business decisions, to creativity and innovation, the very thing we're all chasing. We know that you don't get it in, you know, groups of, similarly minded people. Some of my favorite pieces of research show that um, you do a better job of arguing your position. So if you really believe in something, you do a better job of arguing that to people in a deciding group. If that group is diverse, if they're like you, you do a poorer job. So, you know, again, thinking just about basics of what happens in a boardroom with senior leadership, with decision-making in businesses, it's obvious we need to be more diverse. And so, you know, I think that encompasses a number of, of you know, areas where we have an obligation uh, as an industry to focus. Um, but it also has an obligation on all of us individually to make sure we're thinking about that in every decision we make, um, looking at how you build your teams, how you allocate the work that you're doing. Um, we're very focused, you know, in Reed Smith and thinking about how do we get work allocation 
functioning so that we get equality of opportunity. Um, we think we have equality of talent. You know, the talent is wonderful. We just don't always have an equality of opportunity, and we need to work on that. I couldn't agree more. Well, c- can I ask you then, Tamara? What about leadership? Mm. So I- I'm looking at the bar. I've been embarrassed this year. I'll be 21 years, and I'm just looking at progression, leadership. In in other bar, it's becoming QC, recorder, the bench, high court judge, etc. In solicitor's profession, partnership, equity partnership, managing partner, and you're there. So I wanted to ask you really whether you had any advice about skills and tenacity for for people wanting to reach effectively the top of the game where you are and be senior leaders. Yeah, I mean, I guess you know, part of it is decide that's what you want. Um, you know, there's there's uh, there's nothing like you know real passion and motivation for getting you somewhere. Um, I don't believe that you know people need to um, aspire or progress simply because everyone else tells them that they should. So you know, I'm a big believer that you should do a job you love and you should do it because you really enjoy it. I get we have to you know pay mortgages and put food on table. Don't get me wrong, but I don't believe that you know people should toil away and the kinds of, of effort that it takes to be in really any job um, at something you don't enjoy. So start with that. Make sure that what you're doing you enjoy, and if you enjoy it. Then make sure that you're, you know, making every effort to bring people with you. Um, again, I'm a big believer of nobody rises through ranks, whatever those ranks may be, achieves leadership without others. And so, building teams, you know, being generous with how you share your knowledge, um, mentoring others, you know, bringing people with you—that's what leadership's about. You know, you can hardly lead yourself, so you you ultimately have to figure out what is it you can do. That is helpful to other people because ultimately that is leadership. And then ask yourself, is that what you want to do? And you know, for a lot of lawyers, what they really like to do is spend time advising clients and you know do their work and be really good at what they do. That's different to you know, do you want to be in management, for example? May still get you to partnership by all means. And I think again, what that's about is excellence at everything. You know, being a partner in a law firm is is as much about your excellence at your subject matter expertise as it is about your excellence in your service mentality to clients. So it's getting all those moving parts going in the same direction. But to move into senior leadership, if you will, in any organization, that really takes understanding what that's about, and it's it's a whole lot less about you. And a whole lot more about the organization and the people that you're in that organization to serve. And, you know, again, I think that's ask yourself hard questions. You know, is that what you want to do? And then why? For me, I like big picture. I like moving parts. I like um, having challenges, objectives. I always talk about runway. You know, you got to have a runway, something next, something you're trying to do. I, I need to know that I can make a difference, an impact. And you ask a lot of people out there, that's really all they want. And if you can do that in a way that, you know, for me, the big picture is the organization and its place in an industry and what you can do there. Um, if you can do that in a way uh, that is helpful to others, then that's leadership. And ultimately, that's what you're doing uh, for your organization. They'll see it and then, you know, they bring you with them too. So, 
I guess I always think this is about, you know, tenacity for sure, because, you know, there will be obstacles. And uh, as women, there will certainly be obstacles. Sometimes we are particularly fighting against biases or assumptions that are made about us. Um, but that will be true for men. It will be true for everyone. There'll be assumptions. You know, we all we all judge a book by its cover far too um, far too often, far more than we should. But it is also then about you know being honest with yourself. I I counsel a lot of young lawyers to think hard when they're so worried about promotion and progression. You know, stop for a minute and enjoy the journey. You know, realize you're going to be doing this job. You're going to be working, whatever it is, some job, for a long time. I mean, you said you've been at it for 20-odd years. I've been at it for 20-odd years. But oh. we'll be at it a lot longer. And, I, and frankly, our, you know, our younger cohort will be at it even longer. Yes. And so you know, think about what are you trying to progress for? Is it, is it because that's just the thing to do? Or is it because it suits you and you're really enjoying it and you love it? When you get the answers to all those questions, I find these things tend to start to fall in place. Um, and if it really is about you love it, you're passionate, you want to make a difference, you're constantly volunteering and looking for ways and challenges and you love all that, then, then uh, whether you like it or not, frankly, leadership often follows. <laughs> yes. And do you feel any sort of pressure as a leader? Because there are many of you. Mm. Um, I'd, I, you know, what I mean is, as a minority woman talking about diversity, it is hard. There are people who are like me mm-hmm. who, who don't do anything. They go to work. They do their cases. Yeah. That's it. They're not worried about representation right? A- and how it looks, the optics. And it can be hard for us sometimes as leaders. So I just wondered, because there are many Tamaras. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people would say, thank goodness. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> You're right. Of course. Um, I'm with you, Sally. I, I do feel pressure. I feel pressure because others did this for me. You know, I got to have role models. I got to look at people who fought battles I don't have to fight today because they did. And so I feel very much um, that it is my obligation to, to be an effective role model, not not just to be good at my job and, you know, try to make sure that I'm doing everything right, but actually to be authentic about it and, you know, and and be honest when there are, you know, difficulties, hurdles, obstacles, um, unconscious bias, and sometimes very conscious bias, you know, all those things we have to be honest about. And I think the more we are, then the more uh, the people who, who come behind us can learn. You know, and they will face different challenges because we'll all face challenges. But, you know, at least we can make a difference in the kinds of challenges that they face. I guess I also feel a true sisterhood, if you will, with women. Um, uh, I'm very open about, you know, one of my great passions in life is women. They're fun. They're interesting. They're fascinating. They're endlessly, endlessly fascinating. And they've been overlooked so, you know, I'm constantly regaling my husband with stories of women I find out were the hidden figures. And, you know, the more we realize that and talk about it and, re- you know, really start to celebrate those amazing achievements, the more you realize how amazing women are. So I want to bring women, you know, with me. I want, I want to still continue to get to look in, in uh, the role models that I have and be excited by that and feel the pressure, I guess, that comes with, you know, seeing someone else doing it so well and wanting to do as well 
uh, for those that come after us. And I, and I think that that often takes the form of you know, mentorship and being open. You know, I, I'm sure like you, you know, I will talk to anybody who asked me to because I think that's, that's what I'm supposed to do. I didn't have the chutzpah to go ask a bunch of people how they got where they got to. Um, but I certainly admire anyone who does. And so, you know, if somebody wants to ask, I'll answer. I think that's part of the obligation. Absolutely. Now, I've been concerned also about COVID mm-hmm. and the impact it's going to have on young people, boys and girls. But on a positive note, I just wondered if you could maybe share some sort of advice and guidance, three quick tips for aspiring lawyers. Sure. Well, one I've already started to some degree, which is the, you know, look, again, I recognize some of the the financial side of, you know, life. You have to pay your rent. You need to, you know, you need to be able to live. But, But it really is to slow down. It's to realize that you're not falling behind because there wasn't a race, right? And, you know, yes, of course, in a, in a, you know, in a non-pandemic year, you might have gotten a, an internship, you might have been out there uh, and experiencing something. But in the pandemic year, you're experiencing something different. And you're still, you know, having a wonderful life. Read, learn, research, take the time to enjoy that downtime, whatever it is. But also, you know, take the time to learn about the things that you might not have learned or spent time on had you been rushing to the next internship, you know, or to the next um, job opportunity. So that's, that's one. And I, and it, again, it's back to that. You're going to work for a very long time. So, you know, if you have a setback of a year or two um, in terms of being able to start or get on the path, you know, don't, don't waste it, enjoy it, take it for what it is. Um, second, I guess is, you know, really do the things, as I say, I didn't do. Um, I, might, I might have stayed in London had I just asked someone, you know, how do you become a lawyer once you've already done a degree, right? So ask people, you know, loads and loads of people are willing to talk to you. I didn't know what kind of lawyer I wanted to be um, when I was going to law school or indeed when I came out of law school. I kind of kind of got the sense I didn't want to be a litigator. That was about as far as I got. But if you spend a little time talking to people about what they do, you know, and, and then try to marry that up with passions. You know, we we have a bunch of different, um, you know, industry sectors and types of practices that, you know, as I talk to people, you know, you're really interested in climate change. Well, you know, we have a, a bunch of environmental lawyers who do some really interesting things. Now, it's not always what you think, um, you know, and the same will be true. You know, you really like the entertainment arena. Well, you know, great. We represent loads of, you know, famous and really exciting entertainers, whether they're you know, musicians, otherwise. Uh, again, won't always be what you think, but, you know, happily people will tell you about it. Um, think about what's happened over the last year in that industry with events being canceled. Well, it's turned out to be quite an interesting legal business. How do you deal with that? And what do your clients do to make up the revenue or to, you know, still get out there and be visible? And how does that work? And what contractual arrangements sit behind that? Ask the questions. They're interesting. Finance, my area, you know, imagine what that's looked like over the last year. It's been really fascinating with government intervention and how that's played out and, you know, where traditional banks have been versus challenger versus, you know, where um, the government intervention of the seatbelts type work has been. So ask those questions, take the time. And then I guess the, the last thing I'd say and, you know, again, it's hard. Uh, I'll try to, you know, think of my three tips here. But I think the third thing I'd say is don't be afraid to change your mind. 
It's totally fine. You know, the number of times that people get into law, and I mean, I love the fact that you have traineeships. Um, again, that doesn't happen in the U.S. You tend to go in to a law firm, you join what you're going to join, and that's it. Um, here in the U.K., because you get a traineeship, you get a, you know, you get a taster, if you will, of lots of things. But it's still, it's still only four different areas, right? So you join, you think you've chosen. It's okay if you hate it. It's totally fine. <laughs> you know? Again, we often put so much pressure on people to sort of, you know, live with a choice. But in reality, life is full of choices. And it's perfectly okay to say that's not the right choice and I'd like to start over or I want to do something different. And then go out and, you know, and do that. Again, without the fear that you're setting yourself back or somehow losing ground or falling behind or any of those other phrases that people use way too much as if we all are in some sort of race or there's a finite sort of period we've got to do something. There's not. And, you know, again, that comes with age. I totally did not behave that way uh, when I was younger. So I guess it's probably a bit like me telling my teenager that I was a teenager once and he rolls his eyes at me. Um, you know, it's true though. And I, if I could just get them to you know, listen for that few minutes about, hey, you know, enjoy the journey. Um, it's true. It's real. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. yeah. it's such good advice. I, I want to ask you about well-being. I'm thinking about uh, Jessica Pearson in, a, in an American program, which had the Duchess of Sussex in it called Suits. And, I love it. Yeah. And yeah, so glamorous. I'm looking at your glasses and your clothes. She was a managing partner. Yeah. I can see your very tidy kitchen. <laughs> and actually, um, she didn't have a husband. She didn't mm. have a son. She worked a lot. Mm -hmm. So I, I just want to ask you about what you do for well-being, <laughs> because the burnout rate is high in law. You hit the nail on the head with what you mentioned. Um, the most important thing to my well-being is my, my family, my husband, my son, uh, my mother and my stepfather are here uh, in the UK. I'm very, very close to them too. So this last year has been hard not getting to see much of them, but yes. uh, but they're a huge part of that. Um, we have quizzes, family quizzes, you know, games nights, things like that, uh, which we loved when we got to do in person, but we're happy enough doing them virtually. Um, my son is, he would die of embarrassment if he heard it, but he won't ever. He is about the best cuddler on the planet and so when I'm having you know it's totally different now it's fascinating when I'm having one of those days where you think oh this is an endless day you know one minute nip out and grab him you know for a hug best thing ever and you know that would never have happened without the pandemic never because he was away at boarding school already he was you know launching um as it were so that's awesome and then I'm a yoga fanatic I have an amazing yoga instructor that I've had for ages um, and that keeps me going. That's always the thing I do when I know I'm having the hardest of weeks. I get up and do yoga really early. It sets me up for the day. So, you know, those those three things, great family, the best hugger of a son in the world and uh, and uh, great yoga. <laughs> yeah, brilliant, brilliant. What's your favorite book? We have a book club. And also, what's your favorite fictional lawyer? And then I want to know if someone was going to play you. Oh, God. Who would it be? Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Hard questions. Okay. So the book is an easy one because it's the one, I, it's whatever book I'm reading at the moment. 
So I am an avid reader. I love to read. So I read a lot. Um, it is my downtime. It's what I do to turn off at the end of the day. However, I will caveat it by I am no highbrow reader. So, you know, everyone out there who's thinking, you know, great, you're they're reading some, you know, book club worthy books. I'm reading crime fiction. Uh, I love crime fiction. I love, you know, but it can't be badly written. But as long as it's decently well written and has a fast enough pace to it, I love it. And I read probably two books a week, um, just getting through, you know, fun crime fiction. It doesn't stay with me. So my family laugh at me because, you know, six months later, I could read the same book again. And I won't notice that I've read the book until I'm 200 pages in. Um, because I just, you know, I let it go. It's sort of my, it's my escape, um, honestly. So, um, so while I have some, you know, books that you think, oh, I love that book. Most of the time, the book I love the most is the one I'm in. Um, my favorite fictional lawyer, um, well, you name one of them. So, you know, Jessica Pearson, awesome. Love her. Greatest clothes ever, ever. So that was like a fashion show. It was awesome. Um, I think my favorite of late, and again, I think it's because it's probably the most complex and interesting character I've ever seen in a television program, is Viola Davis's character in, in How to Get Away with Murder. I love the, I mean, the show got, you know, it's crazy in so many ways and totally unrealistic, but her character is wonderfully flawed and, you know, super interesting, complex. You love her one minute, you think she's a monster the next. Um, and she just, uh, she just nailed it. So she, she's probably my, that's probably my all-time favorite, you know, television program as well, frankly, just because I, I think she's probably the most inspiring actress I've ever seen. So but, you know, I like them all. To be fair, I'm a big fan of, of you know, fictional law programs. They're fun. You know, they're fun to watch. So the whole of Suits was a blast. I was probably an Ally McBeal fan, you know, before that. Oh, you know, yes, you named yes. them all. So. That was, <laughs> uh, was it L.A. Law? Sure, I watched that one too. So, you know. <laughs> All my young listeners are like, what's that? What's that? Yeah, exactly. How old are you? <laughs> Um, I love that. And and who would play you? Oh, God, that's quite a question, isn't it? Uh, well, you know, my age and all, I suppose, you know, I'd say someone like uh, Meryl Streep, maybe. Her age? A bit um, mature. She's older than I am, but not by much. She's stunning. <laughs> and who was your second actress, if, if Meryl's not available? Yeah, you know, and I was trying to think. Well, I will say it just because I think it's fun because, again, another of my favorite um, law movies. Um, I'll have Reese Witherspoon play me. There you go. She's quite Ooh, a bit younger, yeah. but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Legally Blonde, let's be honest, absolutely best movie ever. So. <laughs> <laughs> Tamara, can you tell me about your charitable work? Sure. Well, in addition to the passion for women, um, I'm, I've also got a, a real passion for ensuring that everyone has access to education. They're, they're very much connected. Uh, I think particularly for girls and women, being able to get an education is critical. Uh, so I'm involved as on the board of advisors of a wonderful charity called Their World. Uh, it's an umbrella for the Global Coalition for Education, Global Business Coalition for Education. Uh, it was founded by Sarah Brown, wonderful Sarah Brown, and Gordon Brown, uh, who obviously has the position with the UN uh, for being the envoy for education. 
um, been hugely supportive of children around the world in the context of refugee crises as well as natural disasters. Uh, so they've been, you know, remarkably effective in ensuring that kids can get to school and in school uh, in very difficult scenarios. I also, um, for family reasons, uh, really am very devoted to finding cure for cancer. So I was lucky enough to chair something called the Women of Influence for Cancer Research UK, which brought women together not only to fundraise uh, for uh, Cancer Research UK, but also to mentor the female fellows, the scientists. Um, again, if we can get get all that talent, make sure that talent doesn't get lost to science, then I, I feel confident we will uh, find a, a cure for cancer even sooner. Um, I've now joined the Eve Appeal, which is, uh, I think, the, the UK's uh, premier charity for gynecological cancers uh, as a trustee. And again, the work that is happening there around research, um, education, we have a, an Ask Eve hotline that you know allows uh, women affected to call in and you know ask the really difficult questions, which is so important. Uh, so I've been really lucky uh, to be involved in that charity in particular. Uh, and there are so many more. I mean, you know, this is this is an area where we could all probably spend a lot of our time because it's a chance to indulge passions. But uh, but I've been really lucky with the the charities I've gotten to be involved in. Wow. And finally, um, Tamara, I wanted to ask you about what's next and also a quick summary of what Reese Smith's been doing on diversity, on gender, interlaw. I've seen so many of your forums. It's brilliant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, we've been uh, we've been very lucky. We attract a, a fantastically talented group of lawyers who get out there and uh, indulge their passions uh, in terms of all of our diverse interests. So I think you know you're right. There's a lot we're doing. Um, we have uh, really following the events of the summer in particular doubled down on our commitment to ethnicity. Uh, diversity, and that has been, you know, something I think we were already on a nice path, but we've developed a, a race equity action plan that gives us some, you know, very specific targets for, you know, doubling the number of black lawyers that we have, um, doubling the leadership, uh, you know, those sorts of things. So we're really focused, I think, on on making that that difference. And I, and it, you know, coming out of the thirty percent club mentality, I believe it it really makes a difference to have targets. So you know, that's helped us a lot. In terms of what's next, I guess I'm a bit like you. I'm lucky in another day. We have a, a saying in our household, which is every day is Tuesday because um, it feels that way. Uh, so, so I'm not, I'm not sure, uh, you know, uh, I'm not sure I have you know, plans beyond next Tuesday, as it were. But, uh, but look, look I, I love what I'm doing. Um, I really, really love my organization. Uh, I've been very lucky, I think, uh, uh, to land at Reed Smith where a lot of the values that I hold extremely dear um, are aligned uh, in, a, in a really comfortable way for me, uh, you know, with the firm. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it, I'm lucky to get to be in leadership, frankly. So I, you know, I, I can't complain. I don't have any plans beyond that at the moment, though I will say, uh, and it's what I encourage, I guess, for everyone to admit when they know who they are, I need a challenge. I like to have a runway. Um, and so long as Reed Smith still needs me to do something, then I'm here and ready and willing. Uh, but I, I'm not very good at sitting on my hands. So there's always got to be something that needs doing. And I'm so thrilled about the targets point you raised. Mm. Because, you know, in England, we are uncomfortable about targets mm. or numbers. And all too often, I see brilliant policies in law firms 
excellent, excellent policies, but actually no real implementation. Mm -hmm. So it's brilliant to see, you know, firms like yours, Reed Smith, actually saying, okay, let's have targets. Uh, and you know, and it's good to see you leading, leading on that. We'll keep at it. <laughs> well, Tamara Box, there is a Reed Smith office in Leeds. There is not one in Manchester yet. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're right, but they're not that far away. And in these times, <laughs> well, let's see. I think I prefer one in Manchester, but mm-hmm. but the Leeds one is great. It is, it is, and we're you know we're oh. looking to expand what we do there. It's a, it's kind of a special offering for us. It's really um, not only some of our shared services around business support and what we do in the business, um, creativity, innovation around that, but it's also where we're doing what we call Sigma Law. So we're really trying to look at how do we get more efficient, better, continuously improve um, all of the things that we do as lawyers, but particularly those things that are sort of highly repeatable, if you will. So it's been a it's actually probably our most exciting office, if I can say that. Um, again, hopefully the Americans <laughs> won't hear that, but um, our most exciting office is it's, it's where we're looking to incubate all that innovation and then spread it out around the network. So it is, it's a great place to be. Yes. Yeah. Well, I look, I look forward to seeing more of you in the North. Looking forward to that. <laughs> Tamara Box, thank you so much for talking law with me. My pleasure, Sally. Thank you for having me. Big thank you to Tamara Box for talking law with me today and also to Reed Smith for supporting this episode. Find out more at reedsmith.com. I'd love you to get in touch and let me know what you think about the podcast. You can find and follow me on Twitter at SallyPenny1. You can also find out more about the work that I do at Women in the Law UK, including webinars, books and other podcasts especially the Law and Guidance podcast. Just search for Law and Guidance, which you can see on the YouTube channel and also listen to in podcast form. Just search for Law and Guidance with Sally Penny MBE. Thanks to our production team at What Goes On Media. Bye for now.